Welcome to Hot Seating, the drama education podcast with myself, Avian Finnegan. In this podcast, we interview well-known drama practitioners and community artists. We reflect on their drama experiences through the lens of the drama strategies. Like you define the space within your classroom, we are defining the space for conversations about drama in education, not just in Ireland, but all over the world. This is a podcast brought to you by the Association of Drama in Education in Ireland, also known as the ADEI. Brian Edmonston is in the hot seat today. Brian is a professor of drama and education in the Department of Teaching and Learning at The Ohio State University. His scholarship focuses on drama in language, literacy and literature teaching, dramatic inquiry as a P12 cross-curricular pedagogy and drama as ethical education. He is a former elementary and secondary classroom teacher and he regularly teaches and has conducted funded research in Central Ohio, England and Northern Ireland. He has authored more than 40 publications including three books and another due to be released. Professor Edmonston directs the professional development of teachers at Ohio State in the Stand Up for Shakespeare programme, part of the partnership between the Royal Shakespeare Company and the University. Brian has so many great stories and this chat is a window into his practice and the passion he has for drama and education. So make a cup of tea, sit back, relax and enjoy the conversation. What is your first memory of drama? So I was thinking about that, and I think I'd reinterpret that same most significant memory. And I, you know, as is often done in the field, um, drama is theatre and drama is education. And so um, my first most significant memory of drama is theatre was when I was, uh, I worked, when I was in Norwich in England, and I, I was, um, I was supposed to be becoming a solicitor. Um because I did law at university and I was in an office there, but I, I discovered I was spending most of my time down at the Matter Market Theatre. Um, and I, vol- I was there as a, um, I was in five plays in two years. Um, and the, it was a semi-professional theatre. So there was a professional director and a costume designer and so on, but all the actors were, were amateurs. And though I'd done theatre in school, I'd you know, been in various productions minor, this was the first time I really experienced an ensemble of people working together. And it was just, it was just a magical experience for me of being, you know, I had a walk-on part, Sir Walter Blunt and into the fourth part one. And, you know, and then I did a Lancelot Gabo in Merchant of Venice. And it was, but it was, it wasn't so much me, it was the ensemble. Ensemble. It was that being part of a group and creating art together, which was of significance for us and for the audience. Um, so I really loved that. And I wanted to think, well, how could I do that? And then I sort of heard about drama in education, had sort of vaguely heard of it because uh, I had a friend who was um, an English teacher who did drama. Um, and then my most significant sort of experience of drama's education was, as many people did, I saw Dorothy Hethcote's Three Looms Waiting. And when I saw that, I thought, okay, that's, that's what it could be. So that's probably 
those are the two sort of sides of it. Um, my most early memories of that. I mean, I could go back to you know playing as a child and and uh, that sort of stuff, which is, but it wasn't really. It's not pivotal in the same way. Mm. So that's the moment when you thought, "This is what I want to do." And it's funny you mentioned there. So you were an actor yes. foremost, and then you said you had a friend who was into drama education. So. Because yeah. it's very much, it's very different to the path that you were pursuing in law. So how right, did you, right, how did you get right. from, from the drama and the love of drama to the education side of things? Well, I, I um, decided to go back to, to do a PGCE and I wanted to be an English teacher. Um, so I got accepted into a program at Kingston Polytechnic, as it was then, Kingston University. And um, it was on that course that they had a small segment of, of drama. And that's where I came across it. Um, and that's where I saw the, that film of Dorothy at that time. And mm-hmm. the teacher who um, led that sort of mini course, it was like five weeks. She said to me, you're good at this. You should do it. Oh, wow. Do more of it. And that was great. It was like, oh, someone's actually... <laughs> said something, right. something we're not used to that growing up in Ireland no no one t- <laughs> being, being told you're good at something is like, ah. it's all about being not good enough so, so you um, had to go with that then well you know then on my first job that I got in Bristol um I went back to Bristol where I had been an undergraduate um got a job there and I sought out a the what was then the ABDA, the Associate, the Drama Board in Education course. And it was led by none other than David Hornbrook. Um, so I, my first year of teaching as an English teacher, I was doing this on the side. And um, again, I saw Dorothy's, I saw the same film um, that was part of the course. Um, that was really significant. If I hadn't had that early on, you know, I wouldn't have started to try it out in the classroom. And mm. then, of course, end, ended up in Newcastle six years later. So that, that film that you're talking about, Three Looms Waiting, I always show it to my yeah. students as well. It's, it's I know it's amazing. amazing. It's amazing. Um, I, I just watch it like every year I watch it. Uh, and it's just yeah. all, every year it's like, oh, my God, like, you know, she's just astounding. And I always say I lament the fact that I never got to actually meet her or attend any of her things in person. But but you did. You got to work with, with Dorothy Heathcote um, a did. lot. Mm. Yeah. So tell us about that. How did you. So you, you went on then and, and after you did your. So, so I was a teacher, I was an English teacher and then an English and drama, head of drama uh, in secondary, both in Bath and then in England, and then in Bristol, both in England. So I'd been six years in the in the classroom and I'd got to the point where I I was hungry to learn more and I didn't, I couldn't learn, I didn't, I couldn't, didn't know how to learn more. And then Dorothy came to Bristol and gave a talk and I went to her talk and um, the the drama and English advisor at that time who had seen me teach in the classroom. um, uh, I remember hanging around afterwards and sort of, you know, oh, this is Dorothy Hefkett. 
And Ian Ball uh, introduced me to her and, you know, I showed her something that I'd been working on. And she said, oh, you should come up to Newcastle. Ian, can, can't he come on the course? And I, and I went, what course? And it was <laughs> one thing led to another. And um, I, you know, I ended up, I went up for a week during half term and then finagled it so that I was able to be seconded and went for a year. Wow. And that was, tr- that was transformational. It was, um, I wouldn't so this... be here if I hadn't done, I mean, that, that's the path, you know, you think, you just sort of see how significant moments were, but if I hadn't talked to her, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here. That's a really good point. Like the significance of these small things. If you hadn't spoken to her, yeah, like, can you imagine what no. way things have got? That's so interesting. I, I love that. Um, and what was that like doing the course? Was it like f- fast moving or? Well, it was it was a year long seminar with and practice. Um, it was a year long inquiry. I mean, because inquiry is what I now put at the center. So there we were together. There were 16 of us from around the world and we worked together we went in with her uh anytime she was teaching somewhere we could go with her we all went in with her into earl's house the the hospital and school for special needs adults and children that was the first um experience we had with her and then i i think i went five or six different things that she did she did the gardeners of grantly that year which became a another movie famous movie Mm. um so it was a it was a chance to um it, we we had taught we had uh, and it was all day it was just with Dorothy you know we would have other people she'd bring in but she taught that course very differently to the other master's courses at Newcastle University where it was basically you got to work with her and Gavin of course was over in in Durham and we went over to him and he came to us that was wonderful um and so it was a combination of practice with her then you you had to do your own practice then you had to write about it yet we did we did a dissertation we did a paper at the end of each term it was a huge amount of work it was like really intensive but Mm. um it was a professional development in the way it's the model for me that's what i aspire to if I could do that, I'm going to get as close as I can at the moment. But yeah, so you mean like this ongoing year of inquiry, as you put it, and that you, you yeah. are more cl- classroom based. Like we, we never as teachers get yeah. a chance to sit and watch somebody else really yeah. much. So I, I take if when I can, I take students with me into the classroom, in, into public class, you know, public um, settings, or I'll, I'll show them what I've been doing we'll analyze it together and um so as much as possible it's always based in actual current practice this was the thing Dorothy said over and over mm. you have to be doing it you can't be talking about it so true so true um yeah I I really really agree with that I think you, you do have to be doing because it changes all the time and and um if you're going to be speaking about something you may as well you, you know you need to be current because well, I'm, cha- I'm I'm always changing I'm always I'm always seeing things differently. And so in my own teaching, I'm always, you know, this is what's the latest way I'm thinking about it. And I'm trying it out with students and seeing how it works with them. 
mm. and then getting feedback and changing it. So I so, guess every, everything I've written has been in relationship to what I've done in classrooms, what I've done with students and teachers who are really committed to thinking this through. So, And, and can we bring it back as well? Because you, sure. you are Irish. However, you also lived in, in England for a long time. And now you live in Ohio. So that's three yeah. very, very different uh, places. Um, and do you think that that's informed um, your practice as well, where you've kind of put your roots down and where you've come from? I do. I do. I think I love being on the border. It's, it's so you grew up I'm very comfortable being. I, you grew up on the border. I literally grew up on the border. <laughs> I grew up close enough to be able to walk. Wow. <laughs> um, and that must have so been I was very, interesting. Yeah. And of course, looking back, you know, after the troubles and all that, I mean, I, I grew up before the, the recent troubles began and it was, um, but growing up in a divided society and, and, and growing up on the border and sort of the whole thing of having, living with difference was, was a way that I grew up. Um, mm. And then as I grew up, as I became older, seeing the, you know, it's worse the hypocrisy yeah. of, of, of saying, oh, you know, we're all the same, blah, blah, blah. And, and on the other hand, people who are really struggling to, you know, I, I had friends that I was at school with who were out in the civil rights marches. Out, uh, I grew up in the Protestant community, um, but I, one of my friends was, was out there with, you know, Bernadette Devlin. I mean, it was like, so that inconsistencies of, um, uh, it was just part of the way that I grew up. And of course, as you know, growing up in Ireland, you have a historical view. You can't, I grew up in Derry where, you know, the walls were built in 16, whatever yeah. it was, 10, you know, growing up with a history like that, that was hugely significant. And I always, I'm always seeing the history and looking for, looking to the past and, mm -hmm. and that to help me understand the present. And then moving to England, um, in Britain, I had the whole, I'm sure you've had a similar thing of, you know, you're Irish and, and it's, lo it's lower status. <laughs> you mm. have to, I changed the way I talked when I moved to England, you know, so that I... <laughs> See, I that's a very good accent there. <laughs> did you really? You, well, you, you did too. No, I really did. I did because I got the whole sort of, oh, you're Irish, sort of Irish jokes and stuff. And it was like, so I downplayed that. Yeah. And learn to do again, being on the border, I was happy, happy enough to be different, but use it just to embrace it as it's mm. okay, you know. And then the same moving culturally to the United States again, suddenly finding that being Irish is, oh, we really like the Irish. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I th so I think that's hugely significant in terms of the way I see the world, that living with difference and embracing difference and seeing it, um, you know, how it can be so productive mm, and really how you can transform things. I was so proud after the, the 1998 peace agreement and just for the way that having lived through all that turmoil and then here were people who actually came together to transform the culture and the police force and you know not because it's still filled with 
all the challenges and everything, but just that as an example of how people can actually, if they're open to embracing difference and seeing it as tran potentially transformative. That's what I see a classroom is. Yeah. The classroom is people who walk in with multiple ways of looking at the world. And um, if we can embrace that and be open to who people are, not who we wish they were, um, yeah. and embrace that and, and use that to go on a journey. You know, mm -hmm. if you're lucky, it's a whole year or longer, as we did in Newcastle. Uh, but even if it's a, an hour or two, that's a journey we can go on together. We can go somewhere. And as you said before, these significant moments can be created in, in minutes, you know, so it doesn't need to be a full year. So, Brian, no. can you tell me a standout moment for you as a drama practitioner or a practitioner in general? This is your teacher in role moment, so a standout moment. Right. <laughs> well, I was thinking of... <laughs> The last time I was actually in a classroom until last week, I finally got back in. But the, the last time I was with children was just before the pandemic, when I was in England, um, setting up what I was hoping was going to be a study abroad to, um, to Newcastle. And I was in St. John's uh, Primary School, um, which is one of those schools. And there are several, of course, in England in particular and Wales, um, where all the teachers have embraced um, dramatic approaches. And this is like Woodruff and, and Ponte Brennan in Wales. And so this is St. John's. And um, I'd gone in there, I just and met the teachers and I'd done sort of planning with them at lunchtime. And the, one of the teachers, um, sort of like the deputy head, he said, um, oh, could you come in and do something with our kids? I, I thought, well, I'm... <laughs> Yeah, I haven't prepared anything, but okay. And um, Yona, Yona Tyler Evans was there with me because I was hoping she was going to come in and be a guest there. So we, I mean, we literally planned with him for 10 minutes and just heard what he was in the middle of and jumped into something because he, he was in the middle of something, which was great. So I could mm. go in, meet the kids, find out what they were in the middle of. And he, he was, he'd embraced the refugee crisis which of course the continuing refugee crisis of people arriving in Europe and wanting to be placed. So he had, using the mantle approach, he had already established with the kids that this, they, they'd created a fictional town and that a mayor, you know, they were planning places that they, where refugees might be resettled. And so I thought, well, this is great. So, okay, let's jump in. And so we went in and, talk to the children so what are you doing and the person who was the mayor he sort of stepped up sort of enrolled a little bit and the kids were um Yona was with me and she um uh sensing that this was getting a little bit intellectual and the kids were just talking about it she wisely um started to pretend that she had a baby in her hand and she transformed herself within seconds into a woman who was a refugee seeking seeking placement. So instead of talking about it, you know, we had this woman. Um, so we, we uh, and some of the, the girls that were sitting with her um, started to help with this imagined baby, which was a blanket, you know, she had in her hands. 
we, we had sort of planned this before. We thought, oh, this is a way of bringing it in. Um, and uh, so we then moved into, okay, let's imagine she's in a photograph and she's applying for refugee status and we held her still and we all looked at her as if we were the, the town council. And so I'm asking a question like, so what do, what, what do you notice about her? And what do you think, you know, what might we do with her? Where might she go? And then, and then to move it into, um, into action, I said, well, let's, I, it's a strategy I use a lot using a continuum. So I said, um, so if you think we should bring her into our time, come on over here. And if you're not sure, come in the middle. And if you think, no, she shouldn't come into us, come over to this end here, you know, got everybody up. So they all moved. And nearly everybody crowded down the, oh yes, we should have her in our time. There were a couple in the middle. And then there were these two boys over on one end, um, which I, I was not expecting this. And, um, uh, one of them, which I, we can call him Tom, said, um, well, sh they probably have disease. I don't think we should have her. And, oh. and his, his friend, Neil, who's standing beside him, says, they can go somewhere else. They don't have to come here. Oh, wow. So I was completely thrown by this because the teacher had been, James had been talking about, that's a pseudonym, but... Um, He'd been talking about how they were so into this and so on. So, and it wasn't, and the thing that I, looking back on it was, it was, this was a, a, an honest uh, viewpoint that was being stated here. And the children didn't go, oh, there was no like, it was just, what I loved about this classroom was this whole sense of ensemble, which I talked about that I'd experienced in the theater years and years ago. These are kids exploring something together. And these were a couple of viewpoints that got expressed. And so I did the usual sort of, well, I, how does anybody else feel about this? And, and it was, so there were a couple of comments and it wasn't going anywhere. It was, it was sort of monologic as I think about it now. Those kids weren't gonna change their minds. So I thought, um, well, we, we've, got to, we've got to dramatize this. Mm. So we, so I shifted and um, the teacher had, he had a, it was, we'd looked at lunchtime at some literature that he was using or thinking of using. And there was a, there's a graphic novel called Illegal, which has got a great image in it of um, someone being rescued from a boat being lifted up into a helicopter. So I put that up and we then, dramatized that moment. So we all went as if we were in the boat, we had the helicopter coming in, we had all the people. And then I gave them the choice of, so do you want to be lifted up and rescued? Do you want to be, they didn't get everybody. Do you want to be in the boat? Do you want to have fallen over into the water? So we had that choice between, and we had a lot of fun doing that at first and then did it again sort of seriously. So the children experienced those three different possibilities of being lost in the water, being left in the boat or being pulled up into the helicopter. And those two boys loved doing the falling in the water and they also wanted to be rescued. They didn't want to die. Some of the kids you know, will embrace that. No, I want to be that, you know, but they, they wanted to be rescued. So um, we sort of did that. That was maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And then back we go 
and we set up the continuum again. <laughs> and and uh, so I said, so so where are you now? And and they had both moved down the continuum. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> right. So the the boy, but the boy, he said the same thing, and he said, well, they probably have disease. And then I, I accepted that and embraced that and said, you know, it's quite possible. I can imagine somebody who's, you know, been in a, saying yes to it, you know, someone who's been in a boat and come from another country, it's quite possible. And then I said to the others, so what do you, what do you think, um, uh, what might we do about that? And one of the girls said, um, well, my mum works down at the hospital. We could, we should test her. You know, so then we did that. We imagined that, and the little boy does does that, and we sort of test her. And then, um, so then I say to him, "So if it turns out that she doesn't have any disease, would that make a difference?" And he said, "Oh yeah, we should we should bring her in." And then the other boy who's saying she should they should go elsewhere, he was still going. Well, I don't know. Why should we have to? Why should we take them in? Um. So at that point, I said, um. Well, of course, we don't have to, right? That's that's our decision because there are people all over the world who aren't accepted and aren't brought in for lots of good reasons, right? It's not like everybody's going to be brought in. There are people sitting out there right now waiting in a, in a camp trying to be placed. And I said, but if we did bring her in, what would we do? And the kids said, well, we should, she needs to have a house. And I said, well, how could we do that? And they said, well, we could build it. Um, I said, well, who's got some experience with um, you know, doing this? Anyone have a, has anyone made anything? Whatever. So the kids then started to say about things. And this little boy, I said, um, does anybody know how to use a hammer? <laughs> and he did. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so this is like the bell's about to go, or they don't have bells, but it's the end of the lesson. And he and I are trading the hammer and we're, we're making, you know, something and then the last thing we did was, um, I said, so I wonder what, um, uh, just imagine, you know, time has passed, we've made that, and if, if we accepted her and she was there, um, and um, one of the little girls, I said, so I wonder what might be up on the door when she's, when, uh, when she walks in, what does she see? We might write something about the door, I wonder what it might be. And, and one of the girls said, um, uh, I think it was something like "Welcome home." Aww. It was just love. It was just. It was like the last so thing, sweet. and then I, you know, and I said, um, uh, "It's been lovely to work with you." And off they went. And so, so it was. It was. That was. That was a. That was a. It, it was serendipitous. It wasn't. I hadn't planned it. I didn't know the group, and it was like, I was really thrown for a loop, and it was great having Yona there because we could talk about it bounce and off it, plan yeah. what bounce off ideas and I love know, that did... it came from nothing that you had like I know they were in the middle of something but that you yeah. just came in cold I, I love that about drama and that it's what yeah. the practitioner can bring sometimes that you don't need any resources you don't need anything except for your th- your thoughts and your imagination I, I, that's just for me what yeah, makes all, drama so special all you need are are, are human beings who can yeah. be with one another and explore something together and not judge one another and just accept and move a little bit further and and you know through doing that I've 
I often go back to that and think about the refugee crisis and think about, you know, those two discourses that those two boys spoke, they're there all the time yeah. uh, and, and embracing those and, you know, accepting them and, and um, having a bit more of an insight. So thanks for sharing that. Was, I, I love these windows into people's classrooms that we can get through that question, you know? Yeah. Um, so you've had, I mean, a lot of experience over the years and, you know, different qualifications, PhD, the whole lot. But what I would love to know is, can you let us know who the most influential person is that shaped your practice? So your role on the wall. Now, I know there's probably a, a myriad of, yes. of many people. Yeah, there's a whole, there's definitely a whole um, uh, gallery up there and that's okay uh, yeah and and I mean Dorothy has to be she's at the center if it hadn't been for Dorothy Hefkett I wouldn't I wouldn't be here I'd be doing something else Mm. I probably wouldn't have been in the solicitor's office but I wouldn't be definitely wouldn't be here um so Dorothy's uh, but Cecily's right up there and Gavin and you know, David Booth and, and in more recent years, Luke and, uh, and Tim, um, I spent t- 20 years ago, I spent sabbatical in England and got to work with Luke for best part of a year. It was amazing. This is Luke Abbott. So much Luke Abbott. Yeah. Mm. And Cecily was here at Ohio State and she'd actually advised, she was my co-advisor for my dissertation. So I got to work with Cecily and do the same sort of thing as the Dorothy go into go into classes, see her working. So what um, what, what led you from from Britain to to Ohio? Uh, how did oh, that? Oh well, well. <laughs> <Come on>. uh, <laughs> um, so on the course, there were sixteen of us, and one of the people on that course was Pat and Ciso from Ohio, and we met on the course, and one thing led to another, and I came to Columbus that I'd never heard of <laughs> and <laughs> I had <laughs> I actually wanted to retrain to be a primary teacher because I had I liked working with younger children and I'd been looking into that in England and uh, so I came to Ohio State and I, I remember I went down to an interview and said so could I train as a elementary as it's called here elementary teacher here and they said well sure but why don't you do a PhD and I said this is true I said what's a PhD (laughs) (laughs) that's great (laughs) I know so so I ended up I did train as a primary teacher here and I went and taught I taught in an elementary school here in central Ohio and I did my PhD (laughs) and at the same time and I got and I got on the search committee to bring the replacement drama person and brought Cecily here and um all of that was sort of it's all yeah all all because of a a meeting yes you know well she and I and she and I taught together um, we we did a pro, you know we had to do projects and she and I worked together in a primary school. Um, that's a whole other story I can tell you about. Just as a drama moment, it's the first time I really experienced teacher in role and how it really really worked. 
where mm. I was Billy the Keelman, who woke up, Rip Van Keelman, we called him. He'd woken up after a hundred years. <laughs> and these these six and seven, five and six, seven-year-old children were then we went on a field trip into Newcastle. And I'm not, I oh, what's this? You know, what what is that bridge? And the children explaining everything. It's just wonderful. But anyway, oh, that's that was brilliant. Um, you went on a field trip in Roll. I love that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That was just magical. Just oh, that's lovely. I've never yeah. I've never never done that. I thought of that one. That's really that's clever. Yeah, it was really good. So and then you know, we come back into the classroom and use that. And um I'd begun it. I, I'd begun sort of teaching in my secondary way of trying to organize children. It's not gonna work. Not, not with these organizing a bag of spiders <laughs> right and Pat <laughs> whom I was she was saying mm, I think you need to try something different <laughs> we need to try something different and we did so yeah we met on that and then I came here and she was a elementary teacher here went back to her job she'd also been seconded and I came and uh, started the PhD program so and hang on so, so it's did, did you marry Pat then? Yes, yes, we got married. Sorry, yes. <laughs> to clarify. We're married. Isn't that and we just have two, lovely? And we have two children. And I've oh. written a book about Michael, who's the eldest. I wrote a book about playing with him. Oh, wow. One, one of my books. It's so yeah. nice. And are, they, are, yeah. are, are your children in drama at all? Michael uh, is, uh, he's more stories and writing, uh, mm. but he, he loves, yes, he does role play and um, is into it that way, and he's 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 really good at it. But it's not, um, you know, it's not not in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's fascinating. I just I, I love hearing people's paths and how they they got to places. You know, I just think, you know, all these know. serendipitous meetings that you you land in in in. I know you think you couldn't plan it, could you? No, you definitely and, and, and I always think I think of that as a metaphor for teaching. Again, it's the same thing. Mm. You don't know who's going to walk in the room. You don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what might happen. Mm. And being able to embrace that and not, it was hard. I mean, when I first started, it was hard to do that. But I now really seek those out. Yeah, it's funny because like one, that, of, one of my know, jobs is to teach people how to write lesson plans. But I'm always trying to say to them, you don't have to stick yeah. to this lesson plan. <laughs> If something so, better so happens. I, so I distinguish between plans and planning. Yeah. So I say, I say my I'm planning a, a plan of possibilities. That's what I say. That's so I good. might do this, I might do that. And I've got a landscape now that I can move around in. Yeah. I mean, it's, of course, it's hard for young teachers to, it I is, didn't do it. But. It is hard. It is hard. And I always think like one of the things about being a teacher is that flexibility. And I think that that's so important. And that actually brings me on to my next question um, yeah. about uh, planning and things that can go wrong. Um, I'd love to know your conscience, right. Ali, a time where it all went wrong. And this doesn't necessarily mean to be, need to be like a plan that went wrong, but something that no, happened, a yeah. funny moment or, you know. So I was thinking about this and um so when I was looking for um, a site to do, a, to do some, uh, yeah, I'm at Ohio State and studying stuff and I, and I want to get into a classroom. So I'm looking around for class. I ended up getting my own job and having my own classroom. But I, I, there was a middle school teacher, seventh grade, I think, um, English teacher. And 
she said, oh, come on into my classroom, you know. So I go in and these, um, and I, I, I say, what are, you, what are you working on, of course? And she said, oh, well, we're doing the, the Middle Ages, the European Middle Ages. And I said, oh, fantastic. What about, uh, and she said, I said, have you read any stories? She said, well, we were just getting into Robin Hood. Fantastic. So, so I go in and the, the children are, now I don't know how, what they have done, but they certainly hadn't done any drama. Um, and I got them into a circle, which was mm, not sure they'd done that before. Um, and I said, well, you go in the circle. I'll go outside and I'll come in and I'll pretend to be somebody. And then you'll, this is my inept teacher in role when I look back on it. But, so I'll come in and you'll know who I am by what I say. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually trying to channel Cecily because she's, she's, she was, is brilliant at working in this way. Um, so I come in and I go, oh, I've come from the Sheriff of Nottingham and I've run away. You know, I've heard you're the merry men and women in the, is that right? I'm in the right place. And they go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say, well, can I, can I join you? I would like to. And one of the boys says, how can we trust you? Brilliant question. Good one. I said, well, I'm, I've run away from the, from the, from the sheriff because he's, he's beat, you know, he's, He's such a mean person. I don't, don't want to be there anymore. I want to be with you in the forest. <laughs> and, and he says, I don't think we can trust you. And he pretends to draw, <laughs> draw oh, no. an arrow. <laughs> and he pulls it, it was absolutely brilliant. He pulls it back and he goes, whoosh. <laughs> and he says, you're dead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I go, Oh, uh. <laughs> where do you go and from I there? To, I go to Jane. I said, uh, "Looks like they want to do something else." And she waltzes in and says, "Gives out the poetry books." <laughs> there it was. It's like that was the end of it. Oh no! You're dead. Oh, well, at least they bought into it. There was belief there, wasn't there? No, they did. <laughs> They did. No, they, they were great. I mean, I, you know, now I know what I would have done, but I hadn't a clue what to do. I was completely flummoxed. Oh, that's and so funny. And back to the planning thing, I sort of planned in my head what I thought would happen. You know, that was step one. You know, step up in the circle. Step two, I'll go out. Step three, I'll join them and we'll, you know, we're going to plan something. Well, we never got to step three because I was dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh no that's very funny so what would yeah. you have what would you do now in that situation <laughs> oh I'd say wow that's yes I can what are we going to do with a dead body can I <laughs> if I was with you so I, just, yeah, yeah. I would have moved over to them and stood them up and stood around the body and I said, get it that's great yeah 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 I yeah, moved on with that. yeah, yeah. Dead. God, can you hear anybody <laughs> That sounds like somebody's coming. I wonder who it might be. <laughs> brum, 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 brum. Very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Brian, we've do- we've talked a lot about the past, and um, I mean, I, yeah. I love your stories are so colourful. You can see all your passion, which is is great. It really comes across. Um, and what I'm wondering is, um, if I were to thought track you, um, what what do you think the future of drama 
in education is or what, what should it be or what do you think will actually be next, you know? Oh, well, the actual, let's let go of that one. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the world falling around, falling apart around us. It's, um, so, I mean, this new book that is coming out next year, um, which I've been working on for maybe five or six years, really. And it's, um, the reason I'm mentioning it is that it's my, <clears throat> it's really, it's been me pulling together what I think. Um, so it's called Humanizing education with dramatic inquiry, a dialogue with Dorothy Hefkitz, a transformative pedagogy. So, um, so I think, I think drama is, drama as education is, is, it's such an underknown way of working. I mean, I, I'm sure you've heard this yourself. When you actually introduce people to it, they always go, wow this is amazing why are other people not using this mm. at least that i find that over and over and over again there's a few naysayers but on the whole people are doing that and for me you know the reason it's so powerful is is, is as, as i've started to think it's about it's about it's a humanizing education it brings humanity it, it explores humanity in all its richness both within the classroom, so whoever's in the classroom, they're human beings, I'm a human being, we're all in this together and we're exploring aspects of humanity, of life. Um, and drama can do that in, in a way that nothing else can. I mean, I, there is the arts in general, but, you know, dramatic arts, the art of arts, because mm. it brings them all together. So, um, Seeing a dramatic, dramatic approaches in that way, I think is, and, and, you know, dramatic inquiry, which is my, my umbrella term, overarching term, because it's, I want to foreground the inquiry dimensions of it, which is always in, in it's in every practitioner's work, we're always inquiring. Um, and it's dramatic. It's not, it's not just, you know, the usual, it's not, and inquiry is fantastic. But dramatic inquiry allows you to do all these, imagine we are elsewhere, you know, yeah. going into the what if, what if we were elsewhere. Um, so, I mean, that's my, that's my vision. And yeah. um, I, I actually had the pleasure uh, of reading some of your, yeah. your book, you really kindly sent it along and uh, I can't oh, wait. Oh, I've forgotten wait. that. Yeah, I can't I, wait to, I, I, I have. Sent you a bit. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And I made a few notes. Um, I, I, yeah. I, want, I want to send you along, but you know, I can't wait to read yeah. um, the rest of it because it's so timely that humanizing, um, you know, it's, I feel like that's the way personally from so. having spoken to a lot of people and, you know, doing this podcast, like social justice and, and humanizing um, things in the classroom. Yeah. I just love that idea. It really seems to be the way things are going. And, you know, children are dealing with so much more now than I think they had previously. Yeah. And there's so much I, more. I, I, more in the news and on media and so you know socially yeah. there's much more content shared so they have yeah. so much more to deal with yeah I I, I so I, I like to put social justice within that so that mm-hmm. um you know like that that teacher in Newcastle that I was working with he was very much into social justice you know, he, he was trying to look at the issue of refugees and how to, how to deal with it 
the thing about what drama can do is it can, you know, it can open up to all these um, non-social justice viewpoints, yeah. all, all the dehumanizing stuff that can go on um, from leaving people, you know, in a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and just saying, well, you know, you're on your own. Mm. Um, uh, and, and then we can transform it into, well, what if we were and what will be the challenges in doing that? Because like those little boys, it's not they were saying, no, we don't like her. It wasn't that. It was like, well, this is a way of looking at this problem um, yeah. and sort of humanizing it within a, within a, a, a justice, social justice viewpoint. Yeah, uh, I really like that. And, and when will that book be... Um, next year 20, 2022 yeah okay i'm looking forward to it um to seeing the rest of it because uh yeah. it definitely caught my it sparked my attention and it's a it's so yeah. like a, a nice way of looking at things i think as well um and, and i wrote it should just say you know i've got yona's lots of her examples are within it so it's it's co it's co-authored with her because mm. it's um and she she is one of the few people who really understands the commission model and has really used it so we've got examples of commission, the commission. So we've got process drama, mantle, and commission in the book. And um, mm. what what I now think of it as three different approaches to dramatic inquiry. We don't have like really the, role. I like I like that, and then com comparing and, and contrasting them and seeing what what makes them stand apart and stand alone. Right. Well. Yeah. 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 But I see them. They're just different ways of doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, depending on the time you have them. Who you're with so so brian that brings us nicely to our um our spotlight round um spotlight on our quick fire round um so and i like this question what is your why why do you do it why should anyone do it and can you sum it up in about three sentences uh well we can go places and explore humanity in ways that we can't without dramatic inquiry. Is, is that? <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I like that. In ways that we can't. I, I think of it as like imaginary field trips. <laughs> I say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring, bringing people you know, on these little journeys that you could never go on. You can't any. go on, but you can. You can, yeah. you can't. Because it's not the real thing, but it's, but it is real. It's real for us. It is. Yeah. yeah, and it's a way of of practicing these. I always think, you know, I like I have a little a little girl, a, a two year old, and I watch her her play, and you know, she obviously hasn't yeah. been introduced to drama yet in in a formal way, but the way that yeah. she is is playing and practicing things and and processing everything that happens in her life through these little conversations that I get to have the pleasure of overhearing is amazing and I think the way that drama teachers can give that to to um to, to students is just such a pleasure such a lovely mm -hmm. way for us to be able to work to be able to give them these opportunities to work things out and to, to find out things that they're yeah. thinking about you know I love it yeah it's like a it's like a workshop for life mm. is a way another way of thinking about it yeah, that's a good way. So, and, um, and it's also it's also a it's a art it's an art studio. It's a you know it's a it's a place to use the arts to mess around with things and just in the safe space. Out. It's our sandbox, a, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's also uh, Dorothy's metaphor of the crucible. 
I love that one too. You know, if you're lucky, if you if you're lucky, you'll you'll get into their crucible moments of you know, you're stirring things up and you're turning up the heat, and it and you know it's it's led into gold. You know, it's it's um it's transformative in that way because oh. you you know it's the crucible, it's the stirring and the heating. So put those two together. Oh, I love that metaphor. That's great. Yeah. And then one drama strategy or technique. I feel like I know what you're going to say here, actually. One drama strategy or technique that you always go to. What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. I was, I was, I was thinking you might say teacher and role. Well, that's, I see it as bigger than a strategy, actually. That's yeah. sort of like, it's just the way of being stepping into in amount what if I was you know for a moment and um, what what what's sometimes called a shadowy role of the sort of stepping in and I, I use that much more um, as stepping in and out of it rather than just being one yeah all, all that I'm just going to represent him for a moment so mm. I'm the I'm the firefighter chief you know just from when I put the hat on I don't need to be I find it much more useful to be going in and out all the time. So if I use anything, that's one that I'm, I, I, I had to, it's the moving in and out, not being stuck, mm. not talking about it and not being stuck in the imagined world, but the moving back and forth, particularly early on. Mm. Um, that's, so I'll often use a hat or something to do that or the, and stepping forward just in the body. And instead I teach, I teach, children that and teachers that step forward when you're ready to move into the world and you step forward and then let's step out for a moment just to talk about it that in out is absolutely crucial that's the moving between what is and what if what you know we're in the classroom what what is the reality of the classroom well what if it were and we'll step forward into that and then out in out in out like that i like so that you're aware so you're aware of both at the same time. It's yes and. It's not. I really disagree with the idea that you're leaving the classroom. And so you're not leaving the classroom. You're adding on. It's, it's, it's this and that. What if, we, what if we were there? Not let's pretend. Not let's be there. Because mm. we can't be there. We can't be in a boat in the Mediterranean. But we can imagine what it would be like if we were and what we if can, we were there? I like that phrase. You know, we can fall out or whatever. You you mentioned as well a couple of times, rather than talking about something, just doing it. I, I like that, yes. that. You can just quickly yeah. just get into it. Well, just step in. Let's step in for a minute. See what happens. Try it on. And then step out. And then step out and say, should we, do you want to do that? Or should we try something different? Mm. You know, it's 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 setting it up as the artist's palette that you know you through threw some paint at it and oh no too red let's do it again you know which is the brilliant thing about it yeah with children as you were commenting on you know children's play they know how to do that no no, no no let's do it again no I don't want to die this time it's, uh, yeah and it, it, I, it always it, it stems back as well to to Boal and and you know try trying trying things differently and I think children are, are so adaptable and sometimes teachers are afraid like we're afraid that if we try it again or do it again or step in and out that they'll lose the belief but actually that's right. the flexibility that we have we we can do that and, and once I think people get used to it it becomes right right normal doesn't it and the other thing is that 
is which when you step in, where are you when you step in? So we might begin, okay, we're imagining where the people, you know, with the expertise of, of creating the time, that's like the mantle of the expert, whatever it is. Well, let's step in again and we'll imagine that we're in the boat. Now let's mm. step in again and imagine we're in the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. You know, or we're the people down in the hospital. Too. So it's this moving around between different, what I think of as positions. Yeah. They're different positions or perspectives rather than roles. Mm. You know, the, how you, you're framing it differently depending on where you are. I like that. And it gives it a very th- 3D kind of a, approach, isn't it? And four, 5D. 5D, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so five, uh, the fifth dimension, I think, of is imagination. So you've got the three dimensions of time and space, and then you've got the fourth dimension of the, the three dimensions of space and the fourth dimension of time. Yeah. And then the fifth dimension is, well, in imagination, we can manipulate all that, move back into time, forwards, above, inside any viewpoint. Yeah. And putting those in what I now put at the center, which is humanizing dialogue. You have to put those in dialogue with one another so you're not stuck in one viewpoint. So you're never just in the classroom commenting, pontificating on, well, I think this should happen and we should rescue all refugees, blah, 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 do the right thing. Oh, thank you very much. Well, what about if, (laughs) what if you were in a place where you couldn't take everybody? What are you going to do with the people you leave? How do you explain to them that you left them in the boat? Or whatever it is, you know. Moral dilemma. And I'm going right, to Right, always, always. The always. ethical dimension of it. The ethical dimension of it is always there. The man in a mess. If, if, you, if you don't. Yeah, pe- people in messes. Yeah, many people in many messes. <laughs> many people in many messes. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you with this question. Um, one yeah. piece of advice. I think this is uh, just, it's very important anyway for me I just think you know if we can tap into uh, any advice we can get from other people in 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 our profession it's great one piece of advice for other drama practitioners whether they be new whether they be old um practiced seasoned so I I went out for a walk the other morning and we're we're having our um our uh gas lines repaired so there's a man out there that I've been watching and he 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 does a he does a backhoe, you know that is they dig up the, you know he's a he he's he's on this he has a front end loader and a backhoe. It's this huge machine, and I've been so impressed with how skilled he is at this. I mean, he can pick up a tiny little thing with the, you know. So I was walking out and he was standing there, and I said, "Do you mind if I ask you?" I said, stop. I said, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "So, I'm just curious. How long has it taken you to get?" to be so skilled at this. So I'd, and I was saying that to him. So, well, I've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, and he said, but there's lots of people are far better at it than I am. I always said, oh, that's interesting. Um, and he said, well, my father did that for me. I, I said, oh, so you sort of followed in your father's footsteps? He says, yes. And he said, and he just volunteered this. He said, you know, the first day that I was on the job, he said to me, there's two things you need to remember. One is you're no better than anybody else. And the other is if you're not learning every day, you're in the wrong job. 
that's very <laughs> solid advice, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I went in and told my class this. I told the story of this and I said, you know, it's a metaphor for teaching. Yeah. After 10 years, you'll, you'll be good. But you're still, there's still other people that you can always learn from. Yeah. And whoever your father is, whoever you're, you know, the person you're aspiring to become, you can always learn from them and they'll always have advice for you. Mm-hmm. So those two things I think are really important. You're no better than anybody else. You're no better than the children. You're no better than your colleagues. We're all on a journey together. And, you know, I've got some skills. I've got some experience. I can bring it to a classroom, but so can everybody else. So can five-year-olds. They know things that I don't know. So we can all learn from everybody else. And if you're not learning, you're in the wrong job. I'm going to take that advice. I'm going to put that advice in my pocket. And you know what's funny, Brian? Um, I I met you, as I said before, at a mantle of the expert training on Zoom. And uh, somebody, I think it was either Luke or somebody anyway, was like, Brian, what are you doing here? You know all this already. And I don't know if you remember that. And uh, you were like, you were like, well, why wouldn't I be here? I'm also like happy to learn. And and every time that there is a training event, there's going to be something new. Um, But but I think at that point, he was even taken aback. He was like, what's he doing here? (laughs) (laughs) And I remember thinking at the time, like, this is you know, this is actually a good a good thing to remember that you do, no matter how many books you've written, how many qualifications you have, you can still learn from other people every day. So thanks for that. And if not, you're in the wrong job. If not, you go back and you be a lawyer. I, know. <laughs> I still am. I have yeah. My... Oh, have... right. Yes. Okay. Well, I have my certificate signed there by, you go. by, by um, Lord Denning himself. <laughs> they can never take that from you. <laughs> no, no. I love that about education, isn't it's, it? You it's, always have it. It's, it's my insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, well, if it all goes wrong, the day the conscience alley goes wrong. <laughs> uh, that's right, I'll be back. Yeah. So, Brian, it was absolutely lovely talking to you today. I'd actually had such a, a great laugh in the last, uh, the past hour or so. Uh, you've got a great oh, sense of humor. Brilliant. Yeah, great. really, really interesting. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. And um I'm looking forward to to reading the book when it comes out and yeah. also to seeing what other things you're going to be doing over the next number of years. As so well. I hope somebody is going to be interviewing you sometime to do this, to turn the tables on you. And if they don't, <laughs> I'll volunteer. <laughs> oh, thanks, Brian. <laughs> That'll be lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Have a really nice day and thank you so much for, for chatting to me this morning. Thank you for listening to Hot Seating, the drama education podcast brought to you by the Association of Drama in Education in Ireland. If you enjoyed the conversation today, please tell a friend or two, like and subscribe to hear further conversations.